0: Good evening, everybody. I'm Jerry Green, here today with Coy Camisholi. We're going to be covering the NBA offseason. It was a really crazy short off season. All happened in the span of like two weeks. And we're just going to go over it all now. So, how are you doing, Coy? Doing pretty good, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, too. Um, let's talk about the Lakers first, the reigning champions. Um, because that's one of the biggest headlines. They had a huge offseason. They had some big acquisitions and they had some guys to leave too. So just going through everything real quick, Montrez Harrell signed with the Lakers two years, 19 million. Not only was that a like good pickup for their team, that's a really good contract too. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Trez, but he's definitely worth more than 8 million a year or like nine and a half million a year, but shorter. He got traded there for Danny green, the first round pick, um, Another great acquisition for the Lakers. They didn't have to give up too much for him. Um, Marcus Soule signed a two-year $5.3 million deal. So getting a veteran who can space the floor, um, good defender for really cheap. Wesley Matthews, one year, $3.6 million. Another 3D type of guy, fits in with the rotation. Uh, they re-signed Markeith Morris for the minimum one year. And Jared Dudley, rock, locker room veteran guy, um, also for the minimum one year. And then they also got KCP. This was a pretty big deal, but I think he's worth it. Three years, thirteen million dollars a year. They lost um, Rondo, Dwight, Javale, and Avery Bradley. So, um, overall, a lot of people think that you know they did a. They probably got better. I mean, I agree with the fact that the guys they brought in are better than the guys that left. But they shook they shook a lot of things up, and I'm not sure how it's going to affect their overall
1: dynamic and chemistry what do you think um about the lakers um, busy off I, I think everything they did was great you know they obviously they lost a couple key guys like rondo and howard and guys like that those guys are at the tip of the end of their careers anyway and the guys they brought in are basically younger versions of them dennis Schroeder's he's a younger version of rondo in a way he's better and i he's better i think uh, i mean montrez harrell he's a beast He's physical he's big down low and he's going to put up some points Uh, i mean he put up i mean he would come off the bench score 25 some nights for the clippers that's also why it's a big deal because he just leaves their big rival Yeah. Uh, if i had to grade their all season, i would give an a without a doubt i mean i i would even debate an a plus but i think if they made one more signing it would be an a plus that was i mean they've had a great
0: all season also i forgot to mention they did resign Anthony Davis, as anticipated, five years, the max deal. You know, he's getting a bunch of money. And LeBron, they tacked on two more years to his contract. So he'll be guaranteed on the max. It was two years, $85 million extension. So that brings him. He's under contract until the 2023 season or the 22-23 season. So they've got those. They got their core in for their strap down. Um, Obviously, they re-signed KCP for three more years. That was probably their big three this year. I mean, Rondo, I'd say Rondo was their third best player in the playoffs solely because of the way that he stepped up and was hitting shots and just really balling out for them. Um, But that was a little bit unexpected and he didn't do that in the regular season. Um, So overall, like they kept their three main guys, I think, intact. Um, And yeah, like losing Dwight and JaVale definitely hurts. But Anthony Davis um, can definitely like they were very um, solid in their front court, so they could they can afford to take a little bit of a hit there and Anthony Davis can fill in for what they're losing. Plus they bring in Montrez Harrell, who's not as great defensively, but he can score the ball. um, He can run the pick and roll and he's going to be on their second unit. Probably he's going to be off the bench. He's obviously the reigning six man of the year. And then also Marcus soul who he had a rough performance in the playoffs and in the bubble, he shot very poorly, but in the regular season he shot um, like upwards of 38%. So you know, for a big guy to be shooting the three at that rate is outstanding. And it really, really helps them because Anthony Davis can stretch out too. And it just lets their guys like Schroeder attack the paint, LeBron attack the paint, get downhill. And, you know, like you said, like Schroeder, I think he's definitely better than Rondo. Um, You know, we might be prisoners of the moment um, and like think about how well Rondo did in the playoffs, which he really did. He was like one of the main reasons why they won the um, title, but, like, really, Schroeder outside of the playoffs, like, Schroeder's just going to be consistently better. Rondo had his ups and downs all season. And the previous season, like last year, he was not really good for them at all. I was kind of surprised that they brought him back. He was on a minimum. Um, he went to the Hawks. We'll talk about them in a little bit. They had a pretty big offseason, too. But yeah, I agree with your A grade. I'm going to go ahead and give him an A minus. Actually, no, I'll give him an A because, you know, like, they lost some key guys and whenever you have a championship team, you know, you don't want to change too much because if it's not broke, don't fix it. So my only concern would be potentially – I'm not saying this is going to happen, but a possibility is that the new dynamic that they created just doesn't work out. And so they're obviously taking risks. It's a small risk. It's not going to happen. But, um, you know, for that reason, I'm just going to give them an A and not quite an A+.
1: All right. Yeah, I mean, honestly – I mean, I am honestly on the board of almost giving them an A+, because you're right, I forgot about the extensions that they signed with Davis and LeBron, and they're arguably both top five players in the league, two of the most dominant players you'll ever see. I mean, Davis is not going to be like a top ten ever, I don't think, but he's one of the most dominant players you'll ever see play the game, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're big-name guys, and they're in L.A., huge market. They're going to make the money back. Um, through, like, ticket sales, all that, when fans are allowed to come back in stadiums or whatever. But, yeah, um, honestly, I think this is, like, a little bit off track, but I think AD might be the best teammate LeBron has ever played with. You know, obviously doing Wade, but when I think of prime doing Wade, I think of, like, 2006 to 2009. Like, when when LeBron got there, he definitely took a little bit of a step back. He's still, like, a perennial all-NBA type of guy, but I think AD is, like, perfectly hitting his prime right now and he just might be a top three player in the league. We'll see this season. The way he played in the playoffs, I, I think it's definitely fair to make that assumption. Um, but, yeah, so let's move on to um, the Heat, the other team that made the finals this past season. Um, they were relatively quiet this offseason, but they signed a couple of big extensions. Um, Bam Adebayo, five-year, 163 guaranteed. Um, max extension for the rookie contract. Ben Simmons signed it last year for 160. Bam did it this year for 163. There's a bunch of other guys from our draft class who uh, signed the same contract. We'll get to them later. But, you know, this minorly hurts their chances of getting Giannis, but I think it's still the right thing to do. You know, you got to pay Bam. and Like everything that they are about, like their heat culture, how they like put the team first and all that, you know, they got to reward Bam for how well he performed for them. And they can't make him wait to get paid. He's just, they got to give him his money and they can't sit around hoping that Giannis decides not to um, resign with the Bucks and like better their chances of getting Giannis. Just, you know, take what's in front of you and um, ride out with Bam because he's really a, a generational talent too. There's not a lot of guys who can do what Bam Adebayo can do.
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with it. I like the max extension. Uh, I honestly think that all these guys are overpaid. I think all these extensions that everyone gets is overpaid. I think Simmons is overpaid. It's just my opinion. I don't think all these guys are worth that much money. Yeah. But, this, I mean, you got to do it. It's uh, going to bring real in ticket sales, too. I mean, it, I think it does affect their chances of getting Giannis. But who knows? Maybe Giannis will like to play for Adebayo and you know Jimmy Butler, too. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year, too. I mean, next year is going to be a much crazier offseason as well, including the draft. Yeah. You know, what you said about max contracts, um, this is, like,
0: huge thing. Big news that just happened a couple of days ago. The John Wall for uh, Russell Westbrook trade, we'll definitely talk about that later. But um, just to stray off topic a little bit, you know, those are, like, two guys who are, yeah, overpaid. They're great players. Like, Russell Westbrook, top 15 player. um, John Wall, when he's healthy, he was an all-NBA player, so that would make him one of the um, 10 or 15 best guys in the league. I'm not sure if he's going to be on that level when he returns, but, you know, it's not his fault that he got hurt. Um, But, like, you know, the max contract, it's, I think, 35% of the salary cap. So the problem with that is, like, there's – you can't have LeBron, the best player in the league, getting paid the same as the 10th best player in the league, and, you know, that's going to put the 10th – the team that has the 10th best player to disadvantage, you know, but you have to give them their money because they're eligible for it. And if you don't give it to them, then someone else is going to give it to them like a team that's struggling. So it's just like I think it's a really faulty system that's in place. And I hope they um, do something to address it in the near future. But, you know, another extension, Goran Dragic. I thought this was an overpay. I mean, maybe not, but he signed a two year, thirty seven point four million dollar extension. That's a lot of money almost $20 million a year for a guy who is coming off your bench for most of the year. Um, I'm not sure how much I like this. Drogic is definitely getting um, older. He's on the wrong side of 30. and But he did look good for them, especially in the playoffs. He was one of the main reasons why they got to the finals. So can't complain too much. Uh, what did you think, Dragic?
1: You know, that's the funny thing about sports contracts is I think a lot of these guys are overpaid because they have a couple good moments here and there. They're a little clutch here and there. And then they're just going to get paid a lot more, and then do the same thing that they have been throughout their whole career the next season. Uh, so that's why sports contracts are are funny in that way. Uh, I think Drogic is worth around 10 million a year, instead he's getting paid around 18 and a half million a year. So, but I mean, I guess it was the right decision to bring him back. I mean, I honestly probably wouldn't have brought him back. But you know, the Heat are very good basket, like team basketball. They play good team basketball. Uh, so I I can understand. Yeah, that. I mean,
0: like like I said, he's a little bit overpaid on the wrong side of thirty. But when they have a finals run like that against all odds, and they have that um type of energy and uh, just team chemistry going on, they definitely want to bring their guys back, no matter what the cost is. So if that was his market, then you know what, bring Rogers back. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Heat. They're rivals to the Sixers, so. I have no problem with them doing that. All right, let's move on to a team that I, th- I really think had a sneaky, really good offseason, maybe as good as the Lakers. That's the trip Portland Trailblazers. Um, their major acquisition, this isn't a huge one, but they did get Robert Covington, um, and they dumped a re- Trevor Reese's contract in the process. Um, they had to give up a lot of draft capital, two first-round picks. But Robert Covington, I mean – some people, I think he's underrated by like casual fans, overrated by like stat heads, um, because he does do a lot on defense. But a lot of people, I think he has um, this conception that he's a great three-point shooter. But um, even going back to the days in Philly, like he's kind of inconsistent shooting the three. He'll have periods where he shoots it at like fifty percent for a five-six game stretch, but he'll also have periods where he shoots it at twenty percent for a five-six game period. Um, and because of that, I don't know if he's worth two first round picks, but he is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. He's, you know, great wingspan, great length. He can stay in front of anyone guard. Pretty much he can guard one through five. I think, um, he played a lot of center for the Rockets last year and he held up pretty well. He's, he averages a lot of blocks too. And I mean, I don't, I think that he really improves the Blazers team. And when you got a superstar like Dean, he's aging, he's, I'm pretty sure he just turned 30, right? Um, if not, he's close to it. Around and there. You only have so much time with these guys. Damian Lillard, I don't think he's a top five player in the league, um, but he's definitely an undisputed top 10 player. And when you have those types of guys, you can't settle for being the sixth seed every year, and you can't settle for a second round exit every year. You got to go all in. They can't bank on future first round picks and young guys. They just got to, sometimes you got to throw it all in and hope that, you can give yourself the best chance of winning now. And that's what they do and get Robert Covington. I absolutely love that move. Um, another acquisition that they made, um, two of them, Derek Jones Jr. signed a two-year $19 million deal. I think that's a good signing. Um, that was a, that was another guy that he lost, who they're going to definitely miss him. Um, and they said they're going to start yeah, him
1: too. He's going to be one of the starting yeah, forwards.
0: So the Blazers starting lineup is projected to be Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, obviously, in the backcourt. And they'll have Rocco and Derek Jones Jr. at the three and the four. And then Yusuf Nurkic, who played really well in the bubble, I thought, at the five. And that's a pretty good starting lineup. I'm going to drop a hot take right now, and I'm going to say that this team is a top two seed in the West. I don't think they're good enough to beat the Lakers, but I really like what this team is made of. And a lot of people underestimate them because of their result last year, but they had a lot of injuries. They're missing Nurkic. They're missing Collins and they get Collins back, he'll be coming off the bench for them. He's a great um, rotation piece, and he can come in and give you solid 20 minutes a game. Um, They got other guys on the bench, and uh, like I I didn't mention him yet, but Harry Giles signed with them, one-year minimum. That's a great contract. Um, He's kind of unproven, but he definitely has his moments. He's young, he's promising, and he's got a lot of energy. I like him as a backup center behind Nurkic. They brought back Rodney Hood, who was injured last year. And they brought back Mello, who averaged like 18 points for them after they signed him. So, you know, I like what this team is made of. Uh, Hood was a two-year, $21 million deal, and Mello was the minimum. So Hood, a little bit of a pricey contract. for someone who hasn't played in a while, but he's talented. When he's healthy, he really helps them out. And Mello, um, if he can hit those catch-and-shoot threes, if he can give them some isolation, buckets as like a spark plug who comes off the bench to score i really like this blazers team and top two i mean a lot of people think it's outrageous or outlandish for um a t- me to say that like the blazers getting a top two seed over you know the clippers the nuggets even the warriors rockets um but i really just think that they're gonna be i mean i think the clippers are gonna have some problems so that's gonna feed into it but i i like this Blazers
1: i think i think they had a great all season as well i agree with you uh, I don't agree with their top two seed. I agree with the fact that it's a hot take, though. I think they could be a six seed, seven seed. I only say that. They're going to play good basketball, but that West is just so stacked. The Warriors are going to be good this year. The Clippers, Rockets. I uh, Actually, no, I'm going to hold off on the Rockets for now. Uh, I mean, the, the whole West is stacked. with the Jazz and the Nuggets, they're both developing. So I, I honestly don't know. Uh, I have to watch at least 10 games of the NBA season, and then we'll be able to kind of like – see what's going to happen. But, I mean, I could see – I could, I do see a possible way of them being a one or two seed and even being better than the Lakers, in my opinion. Uh, Damian Lillard needs to be his same superstar self this year, and he's going to definitely need some help this year, which they brought in this year, and their team is very well-rounded yeah, so right now. Yeah, so
0: what would you give them on the grading scale, A to F or whatever? I would give A-plus. them a plus. I mean, based on the moves they made. I would give – I think a B-plus – give him an A-minus just because I'm a huge fan of Robert Covington. Um, they got rid of Ariza, which was a bad contract. Derek Jones Jr., he's a good perimeter defender, a lot of energy. He can catch lobs too. Um, and I think if Lillard has the same year he has last year with a healthy team around him, it's going to be a very immovable force. And I think that they, at worst, will you know, be in the top half, so four-seater above um, – Let's move on to the Clippers now, who I mentioned a couple of times before. They, you know, they went out pretty sad last year. Um, they obviously coach Doc Rivers was fired or resigned or whatever was going on there. Um, Kawhi and Paul George has been rumors. Teammates are unhappy with them. They lost Montrez Harrell to their rivals. And, you know, it's just like it was looking rough for them for a little bit. But they did make a couple of good um, signings, trades that, uh, I think puts them in a pretty decent position. They the first one, Sergi Baca, who they signed for two years, nineteen million dollars. I mean, I I like this a lot. He's a good defender and he's um as he's gotten older he started to hit the three a lot more. Um you know, he's gonna fit into their starting lineup probably at the four. And they also brought back Marcus Morris, who on a four year, sixty, four million dollar year deal is overpaid, but you know, their front court is looking solid with Ivica Zubak, however you pronounce his name. What did you think of Abaka and the Morris signings?
1: You know, I think it was good. Uh, I don't think they should let Bantra's Harold just walk away into the sunlight, but uh, if that's the saying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, seriously, they definitely should not have let Harold walk away like that. And that was kind of disappointing to see him go to the Lakers. But. You know, this is a team where I don't care who they're going up against. If Kawhi and George are hitting on all cylinders, nobody can beat this team. And that's, that's my point of view. This team could easily win a championship. Kawhi and George, if they just find a way to work together, you know, I mean, they probably could have went further last year. Uh, I mean, you know, George was battling through depression and anxiety and a bunch of other stuff. That's why his his stat lines and his game performances were not very good. So, I mean, who knows what happens in this upcoming yeah. season for the Clippers. I would, on a grading scale, I would give them uh, That's D-. fair. I minus. Mean, yeah.
0: One more thing that we, I didn't mention yet. They got Luke Kennard um, in a trade. They gave up... Which is funny.
1: Funny What's story funny about story? that. Did you, oh, did you see yeah. the interview with Tyron uh, Lue? Tyron Lue <laughs> <Tyron laughs> completely forgot who they got in the trade. In any in interview... He was asked about the trade, and who did Landry they send to the him? Nets? Yeah, they sent Shamit. They sent Shamit to the Nets. They got um, Luke Kennard, and Tyron Lue in the press conference was talking about it, and he just completely blanked on the name. He said, yeah, we got a good player in I uh, I can't see. What, <laughs> yeah. What's it say? <laughs> it was... It, it yeah, looked so I mean, bad.
0: But, you know, that's just... It's kind of a funny. Th- I don't think it's that bad of a look for them. You know, like... Can it really mean that? I don't think Luke Kennard is, like, seriously offended. I think it's embarrassing. I don't think it's bad, but I just think it's embarrassing. Um, But Kennard, though, I feel like he's one of the more underrated players in the league. He might be poised for a breakout season. Um, You know, not a lot of people paid attention to him last year because he was on the Pistons. But he did average 16 points per game on 40% from the three. So he can um hit those deep shots, and that's what they need on this team to complement Kawhi and P.G., those shots are falling for the rest of the team, too. Like, he, they lost Shamit, who's a shooter, and they replaced him with a shooter of equal value. And Kinnard can get some points off the dribble, too. Like, he can create his own shot, I, I feel like. um, You know, I I think that a lot of people are going to be surprised at how well he plays for this team. And if I'm grading their offseason, I'd give it probably a B-minus, like you gave it, right? That was what you gave right? A B-minus. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, not... Like, a C is average, by the way. Like, a C isn't bad, but I think they're – the Kennard and Ibaka, I really like both of those players for them. So, I'm going to give it, like, slightly above average off offseason. And we're back. So, let's – a couple more big teams to talk about. Let's go with the Hawks first, who had a very busy offseason, and it was not very expected. You know, um, they were a very bad team last year. They ended up with a six-pick, which they used to take on Yeko Kungwu, um, center out of USC. And they had a lot of cap space, so I guess we shouldn't be that surprised. But they used it to sign Rajon Rondo, who we mentioned earlier. Two years, $15 million deal. Chris Dunn, who was second in Seals per game last year to Ben Simmons. Two years, $10 million. I like that contract a lot for them. And Danilo Gallinari, three years, $61.5 million. Um, You know, that's a solid um, acquisition for them. And Bogdan Bogdanovich for four years, $72 million. A little bit of an overpay, but... He's gonna hit the three for them and he can uh maybe act as like a primary ball handler um sometimes when they wanna run a pick and roll or with different types of players or whatever. So where do we start? Um let's talk about their crowded front court. So they obviously acquired Clint Capella at the deadline last year via trade. And they drafted a center, and now they signed Gallo. They had John Collins too. So where does, where do you think, how do you think this all works out? Plus they have like Cam Reddish, Deandre Hunter who are kind of, they're pretty big. So they can play like three or four. Where do you, how do you see this all playing out? Like they can't, they definitely don't have enough minutes to give all these guys proper um respect full minutes, whatever.
1: You see, I, that's, I'm honestly lost. I have no idea what they're going to do with it. This is a good problem though. They have a lot of depth, a lot of depth. If you ask me, it's time to make a big trade. Uh, I mean, who knows? There's just so many players at those couple positions that are honestly all either starting caliber or roll role minutes, like 20 minutes caliber. So, I mean, seriously, I don't know what they're going to do with all those guys. And they have a bunch of younger guys, too, that they wouldn't mind seeing develop, but they can't develop if they don't get minutes.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, a lot of people are definitely projecting them to make the playoffs. Um, but now with the Wizards, who acquired Russell Westbrook, gets a little bit interesting. Um, You know, the Nets get better this year, obviously. The Pacers are still there, and you got all the other top teams. Um, But, yeah, a trade would definitely not be out of the picture. John Collins didn't play a lot last year. He had a suspension. But when he did play, he looked impressive. The problem with John Collins, though, is I'm not really sure if he's a four or a five. So he can't really guard on the perimeter, like, defensively. He's not quick enough, but he can't guard fives either. He's not strong enough in the post. That's his main issue, and now when he's playing with, like, Clint Capella, who's a great post defender, and maybe some guys like Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, who can get out on the wings, you can kind of cover that up. But still, like, with Gallo on the team, and they've got a lot of guys, and it's going to be interesting to see how they work that rotation out. I think he's definitely the number one candidate to get traded if they are going to sort out a trade, but I'm not sure. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of John Collins. I like John Collins. So I would like for him to stay there, but yeah, I agree. If they were to make a trade, he would probably be the main guy around it because I think they like all these young guys like Hunter and Reddish and all those guys. And it's just honestly, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who they think is going to be a better fit to complement or to complement Trey Young, and that's it. that's what I think is the right decision.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking of complementing Trey Young, uh, the Chris Dunn signing, like one of um, Young's biggest weaknesses, definitely is defense. And Dunn is a great defender. So I think if they play him at, like, the two and Trey is the one, and that backcourt can be really good with Rondo coming off the bench plus Herder in the mix, um, I'm excited to see what the Hawks have to offer. Um, another big team that made a lot of moves is the Sixers, obviously, but we'll cover that all on a separate podcast. Um, we'll go a little bit more in depth than the rest of the teams. So let's talk about the Bucks Now, Obviously, one of the biggest headlines coming into the offseason is Giannis going to sign the extension. Um, no news on that. Um, he hasn't obviously he hasn't signed it, but he hasn't made any indication that he won't sign it. So it's safe to, like, it's still up in there. Not, I don't think there's really been any sort of progress one way or another this happening. But the Bucs did try to make some trades to make Giannis happy and make him want to stay. Um, they moved Eric Bledsoe to New Orleans with Drew Holiday and speaking of New Orleans they also had a pretty crowded offseason we won't go in depth about them but they did get Steven Adams as another signing so Steven Adams and Zion that's going to imagine running through all those screens that those two guys are spending. That's going to be brutal for whoever they're playing against but um, Drew Holiday um, the the main premise of this move is Eric Bledsoe was a playoff choker for them. There's no denying it. He wasn't reliable when they needed him the most and Drew Holiday, I mean, he's a consistent player, and I think that he's a huge upgrade over Bloodstone, no matter how many first-round picks they're giving up. Is it worth how many picks they gave up? No, but like like I said with the Blazers, you're in win-now mode. You have to make Giannis happy. You have to do everything you can to win a championship, and this gives them better odds to win a championship than they had before making the trade. Um, obviously, the Bogdanovich, who went to the Hawks, we just talked about that, he was supposed to go there on a sign-and-trade. that didn't work out um we're not sure about the full story how that happened but um you know that's definitely gonna not help their case for Giannis you know missing out on a big free agent like that who really would have helped their team hurts a lot but a big three of Holiday Middleton and Giannis I think is a lot um better than what they had before
1: and I think that they should be happy the funny thing about that I think I think Bogdanovich was I think it came down to his player clause and like that. I think he said that he didn't want to go there. Yeah. And, I mean, I could be mistaken. That's the, kind of the funny thing. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with the trade to get Drew Holiday. You know, both teams are happy. I mean, in retrospect, no matter where the, both these teams are, uh, the Pelicans won the deal. But it was the right deal to make for the Bucks because you know, here he, these are the two options. You either completely tank right now and just give up on Giannis or you build everything around him right now and try to have him stay. Because if he leaves, you're going into a complete rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very – this is a very big year coming up for the Bucs, no matter if they win the championship or not.
0: Yeah. Um, let's go through a few more of the signings that they made. Torrey Craig on a minimum. That was – he's – you know, he can play some defense. He's going to probably be in their rotation, at least for the regular season. Uh, Brian Forbes from the Spurs, two years, $4.7 um he can shoot the three well so i i think that that's a smart move dj augustine three years 21 million um you know he can run the pick and roll he's only like five eleven, so he's going to get picked on they won't be able to play him in crunch time because you know you go you just when you have that type of guy on your team and you're playing in a close um game the other team just whoever he's guarding they just give him the ball and let him score because that's that's how it works he's not going to DJ Augenstein is still going to help this team in the sense that, you know, they lose Eric Bledsoe, one of their main pick-and-roll ball handlers, and they replace him with someone who's just as good at that role. So, um, and finally, Bobby Portis, two years, $8 million. And, you know, this was a little bit of a shock to some people because he's such an awful defender. But the Bucks don't really need good defenders. You know, they had Brooke Lopez at center already. And Bobby Portis, if you put him in with the second unit, he's, he can shoot the ball and he might be able to play some minutes with Giannis cuz Giannis is also a good defender and you know the Bucks are a really good defensive team so his weakness is covered up by
1: his surroundings in a way Yep uh seriously if i were to grade the Bucks all season this is a tough team to grade honestly i would give them an a minus
0: honestly i'd only give them a b because their their main objective is to resign they they want to lock down Giannis like no matter what it costs they want to lock him down because you know he's the MVP and they didn't do that but I think they made a little bit of progress towards doing that so a B above average they got better as a team I'll give them you know a good grade I mean obviously all the teams that were grading so far are getting pretty decent grades because the fact that they're like the biggest teams that we're talking about um like they're the teams that made the most moves and the biggest headlines. So that's why they're all getting good grades so far. If we were to talk about other teams that didn't have a good offseason in death, then we would probably give them more trades. but let's talk about an interesting situation that occurred. I mean, I guess that's one way you could put it.
1: Gordon Hayward.
0: He signed a four year, $120 million contract oh, with the Hornets. The Celtics turned that into a sign and trade. They gave up two first round picks and the reason why they did that is because when you make a sign-in trade and you're giving up a guy like Gordon Hayward, um, there's like a rule with the cap space and everything that they're allowed to now have a trade exception, which basically means they can make a trade a different team They can use this exception within one year of this sign-in trade. And basically they're trading for a player and up, they get up to $30 million worth of contract that doesn't count against their cap space. So that's like... Um, that's the reason why they gave up picks and made it a sign and trade. Um, the Celtics signed also Tr- Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague after losing Hayward, and the Hornets got rid of Nick Batum, who signed with the Clippers. We talked about them earlier. So Hayward, a lot of people think he's overpaid. I honestly disagree. What do you think? Really?
1: Wow. I think Hayward is massively overpaid. Uh, I don't. Quite frankly, I think he's worth under sixty million he's getting paid 120 million. Uh, you know, I I just don't think he's as good as he used to be and quite frankly, I don't think he was ever as good as a 120 million dollar player. And that seriously that's just my opinion. I just I think he'll help the Hornets out, but I mean, this is this kind of destroys their cap room. I mean, they still have a lot more money, but still I just I don't really agree with the trade. I would not have gotten Gordon Hayward for that much. Yeah. Now,
0: listen, I'll make the case. A huge part of it was getting rid of Batum, who had a terrible contract um, as well. But they get get off of that, and now they have Hayward. But Hayward is like a good – like, he's a good player. Um, Like, the argument is, like, last year on the Celtics, he was their fourth option, right? Well, he was averaging 20 points a game. And if you remember in that Heat series, when Gordon Hayward played, like a lot of like the main argument was like the he took an early series lead, but a lot of people were like, uh, I mean, I don't know, the Celtics are getting Gordon Hayward back. This might swift the switch the momentum. That's at least how I felt. I thought that when Gordon Hayward came back, the Celtics were gonna end up coming back and winning it. The the problem was he couldn't really stay healthy and play consistent minutes. But Gordon Hayward, he's like one of the few wings in the entire league that has a like full skill set, I feel like. He can shoot the ball. He can also pass the ball better than a lot of guys his size and position. And he can score off the, he can create his own shot and score off the dribble. And he's not a terrible defender, you know. He can hold his own. And for that, for those reasons, I think he's worth thirty million dollars a year. Because when you look at some of the other contracts the guys are getting, it's honestly not that bad. Um, you know, I wouldn't pay him thirty million dollars a year, but I don't think that this is one of the worst contracts in the league. All of a sudden.
1: Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. It's definitely not the worst. I mean, you heard my opinion earlier. I think a lot of these contracts yeah. are actually not what they're worth uh but i mean you know it should be interesting i just i just don't think he'll ever recover and be the guy that he once was from a couple of bad injuries and just not i don't know i just it should be interesting i would just see him play we haven't really seen him you know back yet completely ever since the playoffs yeah.
0: um i don't know i mean the Hornets probably want to contend for the playoffs that would be the main initiative for you making this move and A couple other theories that came up. The Hornets are known for signing bad contracts and making bad moves. So they had a lot of cap space now and they would have like, there's an off season coming up 2021. Everyone's going to have cap space. There's going to be, or 2022, everyone's going to have cap space. So everyone's projecting that a lot of bad contracts are going to get signed because there's going to be such a high market. So the players are going to get better contracts than they deserve because teams are going to be giving out money, but you know, Gordon Hayward, I mean, people are saying that this Hornets signed Gordon Hayward to this deal now to get rid of some of that cap space they're going to have in the future because they know that they're going to mess up. And they, they're like, you know what, we're confident in Hayward being at least somewhat decent, so we'll just waste all our money on him now. Um, and that might be a smart idea in the long run, honestly. Um, let's talk about a couple more um, pretty big signings. So the Mavs, this isn't a signing. They traded Seth Curry to the Sixers but they acquired Josh Richardson. He didn't have the best year last year in Philly, but when he was with the Heat a couple of years ago, he was a really great defender. Um, He has his nights where he's um, an explosive scorer. I I remember one point in the season, he was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week because he was averaging like 30 points and over a three-game stretch. Um, But what do you think? Do you think this is... All right, let's say, what would you grade this move for the Mavs, A to
1: F? Uh it's kind of hard because I had to. We gave up Richardson and a second round pick. Uh, I believe yeah, is that it was correct? an early
0: second round pick, though.
1: Yeah, uh, I would give both teams a B. I mean, I would give the Mavericks, I would give the Mavericks a B plus. I would give the Sixers a B minus. In retrospect, for the Sixers' role, I would give the Sixers mm-hmm. an A for this deal. But I'm talking like who won the deal? The I guess you could say the Mavericks won the deal. But both teams won this yeah. deal, in yeah. my opinion.
0: Um, Curry, he's a bad loss for them, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And he was on a good contract. But on the contrary, Josh Richardson has a pretty good contract, too. He's only getting paid like uh eight to $10 million a year over the next couple of years. And he's pretty much worth more than that. Um, he's better than a lot of guys that are getting paid $20 million a year, at least. Um, let's talk about Jeremy Grant now. He signed with the Pistons. They worked out a sign-and-trade for whatever reason. Um, three years, sixty million dollars. Nuggets. That's a bad loss for them. He was probably the third best player in the playoffs on that run that they made with um, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. He got, I he got overpaid. To put it simply, he's getting twenty million dollars a year, and he's playing for the Pistons. I mean, who wants to play for the Pistons?
1: That's exactly what I said, and that's what a lot of people were saying. But you want to know why? Because he's getting paid yeah. twenty million a year, but he should not be getting paid twenty million a year for three years. Yeah,
0: I mean. It's really a shame, too, because his skill set is so valuable to good teams like his shooting and defense. He's such a good, like, complementary role player type of role, and that's one of the main reasons why the Nuggets made it so far in the playoffs. So it really sucks. I wanted him to go to a contender and uh, maybe make some team a lot more interesting than before, but whatever. Um, Nuggets replace him with signing Jamichael Green from the Clippers. He's, you know, that's a good signing. Uh, I think he's getting $15 million to play for them. And Paul Millsap got extended one, one year, $10 million. So they don't have a whole power forward anymore after losing Grant. And overall, the Nuggets, I think they did a good job of finding a replacement in Jermichael Green. He played some small ball minutes last year. Um, he's got a pretty good skill set, but, you know, he's not quite Jeremy Grant.
1: Yeah, not at all. Uh, this was definitely a bad loss for the Nuggets. Uh, and I definitely think this is going to keep them at the spot that they are in unless the, and Murray just completely just developed like rapidly, but overall, you know, I mean, I just, I, I was shocked when I saw that Jeremy Grant was heading to the Pistons, but then I saw the contract. I was like, I yeah, know, that makes
0: sense. Um, now let's talk about Christian Wood, another, um, big name power forward in this year's free agent class. He signed with the Rockets three years, $41 million. I thought this was a great move for the Rockets, great contract, and I thought this was a great move for Christian Wood. He gets to play on a potentially contending team with James Harden and now John Wall. And also the Rockets got Boogie Cousins for the one-year minimum. If he can play the way he – at least if he can play half as good as he was in like four years ago, um, there's no doubt in my mind the Rockets will be a top-four team in the West. A lot of people are doubting them, but I have confidence in James Harden. When you put James Harden on a team, it's like an automatic top five offense in the league, no matter who you put around him. And now he's got big men to play with, so he doesn't have to play small ball. He has Christian Wood, who can play the four or the five, and DeMarcus Cousins, who's um, a solid center, I think, if he's healthy.
1: Yeah, I really like the Christian Wood signing. Uh, they, The Rockets and Christian Wood both won the signing. I mean the contract is almost perfect. He's going to completely fit their team. I only say I don't know yet. I need to. I mean, yeah, obviously the offense is going to be great. I just need to see how Cousins. I mean, there's a there's a scenario where Cousins plays awful because he's washed. I mean, I'm not saying he's washed. I'm saying a scenario where he just is completely washed. John Wall does not play good. He just never fully recovered off of his injury, and then they're just. Forced to play those guys because they're big names and they're just trying to get them to develop, and then they don't even have a very good year at all. So there's two cases, and then they, then there's the case scenario that they do really good and they come back like they used to be. So it it's interesting, Rockets. It's why I'm that's why I'm not completely yeah, sold on them um,
0: yet. Honestly, like there's I'm almost I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure they're at least making the playoffs. No matter how bad John Wall is, no matter how bad Boogie Cousins is, even if Wood isn't as good as he was in. Detroit at the end of last year. Um James Harden, I just think that when you have him on your team, you're guaranteed to have an elite offense. He's just so good um at shooting, creating. He draws double teams. He does it all. Um we'll talk we'll get more into the John Wall trade a little bit later. Um but you know, the fact that the Rockets have at least up to this point kept Rob Harden is still an absolute win for me and I like what the new GM Rafael Stone has done for them. Um let's talk about the CP3 trade. We mentioned this in a previous contract, but overall Phoenix had a pretty good off season. They also added Jay Crowder from the heat Um, another big loss for the heat three years, 20 million, $29 million contract for him. Um, they drafted Jalen Smith, which was a little bit questionable. They had guys like Tyrese Halliburton, De- Devin Vassell on the board and they re-signed Dario Sarge. There was really no market for him. He was always going to re-sign there unless he came back to the Sixers, which I kind of wanted to happen, but it didn't uh, three years, 27 million for him. Um, They also signed Langston Galloway, who can shoot three at a pretty high rate for three years, 21 million. Um, I'm not sure about that contract, if it's a good one, but I think he'll be in the rotation. And the CP3 trade, obviously, we talked about that before. They're getting CP3. They gave up, um, you know, a couple of guys. Kelly Oubre was one of them. Literally everyone. But (laughs) um, this backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I think, is going to at least guarantee them a playoff spot. I think they'll be in the top six in the West.
1: I see, I'm just not sold on the sunset either. I don't like the Chris Paul deal. I really don't. And I think I've mentioned. I think I mentioned this on the pre-draft uh, podcast. I don't think. I think Paul should have went on a team that's just missing something, like the Bucks or you know one of those teams. But I mean, I don't know. They gave up an awful lot for him. I mean, I just. I think if they made the playoffs last year, the deal would have been so much better. But you know, overall. I guess they get the benefit of this trade, and they get the upper, the upper hand. Uh, if I were to rate their all season, I would go, well, in overturns of success, I would go an A a minus in terms of what they are in their franchise. I'm going like a B
0: yeah, to B minus. That's I mean I, I can't completely disagree with you, but I do like the CP3 trade more than you did. We talked yeah. about it before, so I won't go too into death, but think about this. This is their starting five now. They got Chris Paul running point guard, Devin Booker next to him, um, Michael Bridges, who really exploded in the bubble at the three. Now they have uh, Jay Crowder playing the four, plus Dario Saric coming off the bench of the four. He can spread the floor, so can Jay Crowder. And then DeAndre Ayton at the five, who made some big strides last year, and I think he's only going to get better. He's solid defensively, and he can score two, he can get offensive rebounds. Um, I just, I like what this team is made of. I'm obviously not banking on them to even make it out of the first round, but I think they'll be competitive at the very least. Um, let's talk about Golden State for a second because they lost Clay. I'm not sure what to expect out of this team. They kind of shook up the roster a little bit, added Oubre, Brad Wanamaker, James Wiseman, Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore was on a pretty good contract. I kind of like that signing. He's a good defender. Um, Wanamaker, he can play some minutes with Curry. He's a solid point guard. And Kelly Oubre, he averaged 20 last year. I'm not sure how he'll do this year. He, you know, I'm – I'm, in, I'm, in, the Warriors intrigue me. That's what I'm going to say. And they drafted Wiseman. I think I said that already. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, Wiggins, too. A lot of people are projecting a breakout year with him playing next to Curry. Um, Curry, obviously, is one of those guys, just like Carden, who's going to give your team instant offense. They're going to be – I think they're probably going to be a playoff lock unless if they have some injuries, but I, how do you feel about the Warriors?
1: Yeah. The Clay Thompson injury was absolutely devastating, especially after coming off that ACL injury. Uh, the main thing I said, I thought the Warriors were an instant Western conference finals candidate possible winner uh, with Clay Thompson without their definite playoff spot. I don't know where they go now, uh, but that was such a big loss. Cause they had a great all season, I I think, and I think their starting lineup was stacked. And then Thompson went down, and that's just a huge loss. Uh, but I think James Wiseman was a really good addition in the draft. You know, I, I like their signings overall. I would give them an A minus in uh, in a draft, or I mean, in um, an all season. I'm going to give them a
0: B minus. Honestly, I'm going to give them a C plus. I'm a lot lower than, on them than you are, just because I don't. I'm not sold on them. I don't think they did enough to maintain obviously you can't do anything about the clay injury, but I don't think they did enough to get back to where they were before last year's dilemma.
1: Yeah, I mean I can I can see that. This the thing with me, I thought, you know, there's nothing you can do about the clay injury. If I'm if I'm including the clay Thompson injury, actually it's a sort, I mean because it came later too, so it's not like they could they couldn't change their draft pick or they couldn't change, you know, some of the big guys that Already went off the list in free agency. Uh, you know, I would give them a B then, but seriously, it's it's so hard. The, the Thompson injury was such an awful time, too. It was literally like two hours before the draft, and they didn't even know yeah. how serious it was. So, I mean, James Wiseman was yeah. overall the best pick for them, and I yeah. think they're an instant um, playoff team.
0: You know, my only doubts come from like, I just see a scenario where this team struggles as like the eight seed, maybe even misses the playoffs has to play in the play and I'm not, I'm just not sold on them to be honest, but there is a universe where um, MVP Curry comes back and they're like a top four seed again, but
1: yeah. All right. Now let's go over some of the like leftover kind of signings there were that we really haven't discussed yet. Let's, let's talk about Jordan Clarkson first. What did you think about this deal?
0: Um. Yeah. Four years, 52 million to stay in Utah. I think he's a little bit overpaid. He's not a good defender, and sometimes he's inefficient. But not bad for the Jazz. What do you think?
1: i you know, overpaid as usual. I mean, that's what a lot of NBA players are. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be good. But I honestly don't think I would have extended him with this team. But you know, I mean, he's definitely gonna fit in with them. Yeah. I would give it a C grade.
0: Yeah. All right. Just listing off a few random ones: Timberwolves. Um, maintain uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, three years, 21 mil. And Malik Beasley, four years, 60 mil. A couple of young guys. Real quickly,
1: real quickly. I wanted to talk about Malik, Be- Malik Beasley. <laughs> Malik Beasley and Scotty Pippen's wife, apparently, are a thing. Uh, that's a... Uh... <laughs> that's that's so funny. When I saw the news about that, I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Yeah, his uh, wife, Scottie Pippen's like
0: his wife is like 46. Malik Beasley is 24. I mean, what can you say? Beasley's a player. Um, but yeah, the Timberwolves. Those are a couple of guys. I th- I feel like the Timberwolves are just going all in with Cat and D'Lo. They just want to score the ball. Even Anthony Edwards, he's not a great defender. They are just like we don't care about defense. We're gonna put up the best offense we can put up, and those two guys fit that type of model um another one davis bertans re-signed with the wizards five years 80 million pretty big contract for him but with the way he shot the ball last year i'm not surprised um what do you think about bertans
1: yeah it's a it's a good deal he's a pretty solid player and i think he's definitely going to work out i think he's going to keep on developing and he's pretty big too so i think he's a good extension that they they did
0: yeah um brooklyn Made a couple of moves to compliment KD and Kyrie. They got Jeff Green, who I thought had an outstanding year last year in the time he played for the Rockets on the minimum. Joe Harris, this was another big contract. But, uh, like, when you can shoot the ball, there's a market for you. We just saw with Bertans. Harris got four years, 75 mil. So that's even more than Bertans. Um But, yeah, what did you think of the Nets' moves?
1: Yeah, the Nets made a couple of good moves. And one underrated move, they acquired Bryce or Bruce Brown. Yeah. Uh, big deal, you know. Not a lot of people know who he is, but he has locked up some big names on defense. He's locked up Harden, and you know, the list goes on. He's had some good defensive days,
0: yeah. I really like what they're building around those two superstars. Um, another one, Justin Holiday, three years, 18 million to stay in Indy. Um, he's another one of the guys who I think is just underrated. I wanted to talk about him. He's you know, not only like recently, Liangelo Ball signed a non guaranteed deal with the Pistons. Um, he's going to be in their training camp. I don't think he's going to be on their roster come week one, but we'll see. Well, not week one, game one, but we'll see. Um, But a lot of people are like, oh, LaVar got all three of his kids in the NBA. Mr. Holiday has been doing this for a few years now with um, the Holiday brothers, Drew Holiday, Justin Holiday, and Aaron Holiday is the other one. Um, What did you think of this deal for Indy?
1: Not a bad deal. Uh, I mean – yeah, you know, actually he I wouldn't say he's overpaid. He's he's gonna be a solid role player and I mean it's not to make a difference of how good they are.
0: Yeah, I think he's one of the better backup point guards in the league. And speaking of backup point guards, De'Anthony Melton, another guy who I think is really underrated, four years thirty five mil to stay in Memphis. Um he plays he plays some minutes with John Morant, but he's he comes off the bench and he's mostly like a primary ball handler. I really like this guy and He's good defensively. He can shoot the ball a little bit. And, you know, just watching him, he's one of my favorite players, honestly.
1: Yeah, and he's – he compliments John well coming off the bench. Uh, so he's, I would definitely say he's a really good backup guard for the Grizzlies. And I, I just can't wait to see John Rant play. Again. I can't wait to watch this kid develop. Yeah. Uh, you know, he it should be pretty fun to watch in Memphis. Yeah,
0: that's one team I feel like a lot of people are counting out, the Memphis Grizzlies. They were the 8th seed last year, and I understand a lot of teams got better. They didn't do a lot to get better, but if I'm not sure what the situation with Jaron Jackson is when he's going to be back, he got injured in the bubble, so I'm I'm not sure what that whole timetable is looking like. But when they have Jaron Jackson, who I think is also like a really budding future All Star type of player, um, if he's healthy this year, I think he'll make the All Star game. That's a little bit of a hot take. John Morant, Brandon Clark, who they got in the draft last year, I liked him before the draft. I liked his landing spot, and he played really well for them. He was probably one of the best rookies. Um, you know, outside of like Zion and Jock, they, they have a pretty solid team and I don't think they should be counted out. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be at least competitive as they were last year.
1: Um, yep. Yep. They're in complete rebuild and developing now. I, no, they're not even rebuild now. They're just, uh, they're in developing. Yeah. You know? And I, in three or four years, they signed a couple of big names in these next couple of seasons for, you know, they could be, a, they could be a contender.
0: Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about a couple of extensions. Max, Extensions to be specific, Jason Tatum, who we said this about Bam earlier, the uh, like Benson signed it um, last year, the five years, 160 million guaranteed. Depending on how well they play, that number can go up. You know, you have to give it to all of these guys. Um, Donovan Mitchell got the same one, and so did De'Aaron Fox. The like, I mean, Sacramento, like Fox is probably le- less deserving of it than the other guys, but I do like Fox's game. And when you have a market like Sacramento that doesn't attract a lot of big names, then you have to hold on to um, the guys that you do have and maybe overpay a little bit sometimes. It's unfortunate, but that's just how it goes. Um, And Brandon Ingram also signed a max extension. His five years, $158 million.
1: Um, Which I don't think that was a good move uh, because he was an all-star last year. And I am a big Brandon Ingram fan. But did you notice anything? Once Zion came in, his points went down. Everything went down. So, I mean, he was obviously still a big asset, but I, you know, depending on his role, I don't think he's going to be worth $163 million anymore. Yeah. You
0: know, just, I, I just want to like make the case kind of against that statement. Like, I feel like when Zion came back, they, they didn't have really much of an identity as a team. They were just like, all right, we're just going to give the ball to Zion instead of giving it to Brandon Ingram. And I feel like with the new um, Van Gundy coming in this year, he's going to, you know, find a role for everyone on this team and make the most out of the roster that he has. And I think that Ingram, while not he's not going to put up the numbers he put up last year, he's still a pretty good player, I feel like. Um,
1: yeah, he's going he's gonna to average 20, 21, 22. Uh, without Zion, I think he could average 25, 26, yeah. and more assists too. Actually, no, because he feeds Zion a lot. But still, the Pelicans look good, and I think they're going to be a really good team eventually. Uh, and, you know, Lonzo's obviously getting better. You know, Zion's lost a lot of weight and then put on muscle. So, I mean, seriously, this Pelican scene could look dangerous. You know, they lost Derek Favors, but, uh, you know, they're still going to be a pretty good team. Yeah, And they got Steven Adams, which we mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah,
0: I feel like Adams was probably an upgrade over Favors. Um, <laughs> another guy who I think's underrated that I like, Jakob Purtle, signed a three-year... 27 million dollar contract to stay with the Spurs. He's just one of, you know, the I feel like he's just a really good center. Center is obviously a position that's not that important. You shouldn't overpay guys. But Pertle, he's a good rebounder. He can shoot the ball a little bit and he he's got like a good skill set overall. He can pass it. Um I just I just like him and I like this move for San Antonio.
1: Yeah, definitely a good move. And San Antonio is in a in a weird spot right now. You know, DeMar's obviously almost done. They don't really have many big names anymore. Lamar Jackson is almost done. You know, it's they're in a weird yeah. spot right now. Uh, they almost made the playoffs last year, just missing that play-in tournament. So it's gonna be interesting to see what San Antonio does in these next couple of seasons. Yeah, they got some
0: young guys like Jazante Murray on their team, um, Derek White too. But yeah, you know, like you said, it's just gonna be. I'm not sure what's happening with them, and we'll see what they have going on in the future um just a few more Hassan Whiteside went to the Kings Austin River Austin Rivers went to the Knicks New Orleans Noel went to the Knicks um Trey Burke signed a three-year deal in Dallas he played really well for them in the playoffs Alec Burks who was on the Sixers signed a six-year or one million one-year six million dollar deal with the Knicks um and uh, that's about it um, as far as the rest of the signings. There is obviously more, but minimum, guys, we're not going to go into every single signing that happened this offseason.
1: Yep, and that's going to wrap it up for this one. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, our 76ers podcast should be coming out soon, and that's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you.